Wow. Aren't you glad for a Redeemer? Well, today is the last day in our Bringing It Home series. And the only thing you're wondering is, why am I not wearing shoes? Um, well, today we're talking around the topic of finances, but actually today's going to be very different than probably what you're expecting it to be talked about by me. Because frankly, what Nick has been talking and leading us and singing about is what we're going to be talking about today in relation to finances. And as we come to this topic, why the bare feet? Um, well, just watch this. The Samaritan Speed was started uh, because uh, a missionary came to Nigeria uh, over 27 years ago and chose to make a difference in the life of a poor African boy. Uh, he gave him his first pair of shoes, and, uh, and shoes to poor boys in Africa and girls in Africa. Uh, it's like giving them gold. And, but give him more than the shoe, you give him hope. Uh, he told that little boy to dream that God has a plan for him. Uh, touch him, taught him to give him a basketball. And I got him chance to uh, uh, take a basketball. I remember giving him, you know, I was holding basketball, and we took it down. We started to kick the ball. I said, no, no, we don't kick this one. We dribble this one. And uh, that, that really served as the beginning for this because I used that for me as an inspiration. I uh, got good at basketball, eventually coming to the United States in a basketball scholarship, and which gave me the opportunity to get my undergraduate work uh, and then my master's degree. And, and then got involved in the technology business and God blessed us. And, and then overall, and things were going real well. And then in 1997, my father passed away and I went back to Nigeria for his funeral and then I saw a lot of children. Uh, like me, poor, impoverished, and, and uh, without hope and despair. And, and I saw him, and, and God spoke to me and said, you know, you've been blessed, now it's your turn to be a blessing. Not until we went back to Nigeria and took our family back there and saw his home and saw how people lived, did, I really, did it really encompass all. Not until I saw that the home that he grew up in was probably the size of my garage and, and how I thought I had it horrible. Uh, kids in the part of Africa where I grew up and we used to pray this prayer, uh, God give me zero, zero, 001. Uh, that means if I don't have breakfast, it's okay if I don't have lunch. Uh, but God, would you give me supper so at least I can make it till tomorrow. So kids, it's a, it's a survival for some kids in parts of Africa uh, because they have to pick between uh, having you know, food uh, or, or shoes. And, and, for, and most kids in Africa and uh, a lot of parts of the world, they live on less than a dollar a day. The story is a, is a great story. And even with missions, it's, it's a great story to come back and show the pictures and it's a great story to see, you know, a picture of a child that looks hungry or doesn't have shoes, but not until you fully go and experience it and give of yourself do you really understand it. You give them that pair of shoes and say, you know, it, it, use these uh, to take your first step of hope and, and to move into the new direction that God's led, you know, leading you to go and, and get involved in sports and, and go to school because in some parts of the world, without shoes, you can't go to school. So we, we provide a basis for them to really inspire these kids to, to focus on the important things in life. Our vision that God's given us is to try and reach 10 million children uh, and put 10 million shoes on this kids' feet. I think we will exceed the 10 million. You know, our goal is, is 10 million pairs of shoes the next 10 years, 10 million people. I think it, obviously, he's always going to do above and beyond what we, what we hope or imagine. He gave us that vision, but I think as, as time goes on and there's more needs and more um, 
things that, that we're allowed to do and God opens the door for, we'll just step through. I think that we will exceed our goals and the goals that God has set before us. We use shoes most of the time, but sometimes we use medicine. Sometimes we use, you know, dental work. Sometimes we use food, sometimes, whatever it is, but our primary vehicle is shoes. So as we talk on the topic of finances today, uh, wouldn't it just be able to be fun not only to be challenged and encouraged and uh, uh, spend time in the Word around this topic, but also to be able to use a little bit of finances just to help some people around the world and to help some kids. So here's the deal. After church, we're going to have some people probably in the exit way out here and in the lobby area. They're just going to be out there and they're just going to have a pair of shoes and holding a pair of shoes. And it costs $5 to send a pair of shoes somewhere in the world in the name of Christ, in the love of Christ, to some kid, to some person who doesn't have shoes. And so as you're walking out, if you've only got $2, if you've got $5, you've got 10 or 20 whatever, um, they're going to be around. And just put it in the shoe, and uh, we're going to have an impact beyond ourselves today. Okay? Sound cool? Because we want to love on people, all right? Um, well, we are coming to the end of this series and uh, I don't know if you know this, but this series has turned out quite differently than I went into it. Um, I knew what I wanted this series to be about from bringing scriptures into real aspects of life just because of the nature of where we're at in our church. We've gone through the Gospel of Matthew. We've gone through the Epistle of Ephesians. And I wanted to also just kind of dedicate some time in our first year of ministry to focus in on the scripture being applied to some specific areas in life that people commonly uh, not only live in but struggle in. And uh, I was planning to, in the marriage, to talk about... Uh, uh, husbands are lover leaders and learners and wives are fan followers and finishers and then on communication talking about the four rules of communication and kind of some step one, step two, step three stuff but it's been so interesting for me every week as I've been preparing with this time all that has been set aside and what God has really been working on me and bringing to you is the center of it all, the heart of it all. I mean, the heart of all of this is about a living, breathing, real relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not just interested in people just following a bunch of steps. And please understand, I'm not against steps. I'm not against practical things. I mean, Lord knows, his word is not a book of questions. His word is a book of answers. And we bring practical things into it. And yet, we can be people who are doing the steps and missing the reality of what is it all about. And it's about a relationship, a living, breathing, vital, dynamic Oh, my word's so much bigger than just doing some steps. And so today, <laughs> I'm finishing off the same way. And uh, we're talking on finances, sort of. No, we are talking on finances today, but maybe in a different way than you're thinking. You know, down the road, we're going to be able to have uh, various uh, helpful tools for you to be able to go and get some uh, real spend some time with some people and get some help and finance things. And, and let me just sum up some of the things initially I would have wanted to say to you. Okay, here we go. Here's a sermon in a minute. And then the rest comes. Regarding finances, work hard and learn to be content, the scripture talks about. 
be a hard worker and learn contentment, wisdom. Spend less than you earn. Hey, there's a new thought. Spend less than you earn. Have and follow a budget, especially if you have financial struggles. Be a wise saver and don't become a slave to debt. Don't become a slave to debt. Tithe faithfully, consistently, generously, and cheerfully. The first fruits are a key biblical concept on giving. Not what's left over, but the first fruits. We'll see some of that when we get into Exodus. By the way, don't get sucked into the I deserve it world. If, uh, if we bought the I deserve it reality, we're in big trouble. Listen, all the stuff we own, it's not ours. Those of you who have 401ks in savings account in the last six months, poof, right? I'm with you, totally with you. Listen, it's not ours. It's not ours. It's God's. So finances are a spiritual thing. How I use money is about who and what I worship. That's what I would have said to you. And we're going off of the last part of that today. In fact, here's what I want to do. I want to take us to a big money passage. I mean, like my favorite money passage. Because this is a passage that uses accounting terminology It's a passage that talks about uh, assets and liabilities. It's a passage where an audit is being done. And so let's go to a money passage. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And if you don't have a Bible with you here at Harvest, we are big on the Bible. And uh, if you don't have one with you, we've got some people coming around. You're welcome to borrow one. If you don't own one, just keep one of these. Because we want you to be in the Scriptures. Because that's where we're going. Philippians chapter 3. Let me set a little bit of context here. Paul is writing this. The Apostle Paul is writing this while he's under house arrest by Rome. He's been under house arrest for four years now in Roman custody. And uh, he's awaiting Nero's decision on his case. And there are followers in Christ in Philippi, a city he had visited. And these are dear people to him. He loves these people. And yet these people are dirt poor. People in Philippi, the believers in Philippi are dirt poor. And they're being persecuted. And Paul's writing to them. And he tells them about the gratitude in chapter 1 he has for them. And, uh, and then he's talking about how life is about Christ to follow and hold fast to Christ. And then he tells about hopefully Timothy is going to be able to come and see him soon. And then he jumps into chapter 3, a massive money passage. I want to tell you, in the scriptures, this is one of my top three favorite passages in the Bible. So let's go there and get into it. And let's ask for God's help. God, I pray right now as we dig into your word, that your word would be rich and deep and wide and full and massive and encompassing of our minds. Lord, as we spend this time here in this marvelous, marvelous chapter, would you help us to get the big picture? As Paul spills his own guts, help us here to be auditors of our own lives right now. 
that we would be ones who right now before you, our souls are open to learn and to hear and to be changed. Father, may the Spirit of God be actively using the Word of God in our lives right now. In your name we pray. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. What an amazing statement. Paul is writing to men and women, believers in Christ, who are dirt poor and being persecuted at the same time. And he's under house arrest. And he says, rejoice. (laughs) What a guy. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Here he goes, verse 2. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the real circumcision who worship this by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Let's break this out a little bit. Here's what he's talking about. He's talking about some people who are in Philippi who are teaching false truth. These are false teachers. They are not teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are teaching a warped version of it or a totally opposite version or untrue version of it. And he has some things to say about these folks. And as you've kind of already gotten an impression, he's not real hotsy-totsy about these guys. In fact, look at the words. The first one is he says, look out for the dogs. Now understand, we think of dogs today, and we think of our dog Snoopy. We don't, but uh, our dog Snoopy, you know, or your puppy. You know, they're cute little things, and you just want to hold them and sleep with them at night. No, 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 no. That's not the kind of dogs he's talking about, because in that day, dogs were scavengers. They roamed around in packs. They were like hyenas. They were total nuisances. At times, they would attack people, and cities had to deal with the dogs, And here Paul is using the terminology of the day of the person who sees this. Listen, these are dogs going around, scavengers. They're taking, they're they're mutilating, they're hurting. These are not good things, people. And he calls them dogs. He also calls them evildoers. Now, this is an interesting thing because the people who are these false teachers, I likely, these false teachers, they probably genuinely think they are teaching truths. I mean, this is an oxymoron here. Here are people that are in their mindset, they're teaching stuff that God would want them to teach, and Paul says they're evildoers. They think they're doing good. Paul says they're doing evil. And then we have this mutilate the flesh. This is actually one word in the Greek. And we carry that in with verse 3, for we are the real circumcision. And I think we have this concept here of talking about, listen, circumcision was, as far as we don't get that spiritually in our day and age, it was the distinguishing act of God's covenant with Abraham. Circumcision was like the premier item of a covenant with God, with his people. We just don't quite grasp it all. It's a bit bizarre, kind of don't even want to think about it kind of a thing. And yet these Judaizers, they were zealous about the ceremonies and the rituals, but they were not zealous about grace and Jesus Christ. And so here Paul starts out kind of like he's got something to say, not real happy, happy. 
about some people. But then he says, for we are the real circumcision. Now, this is not talking about the act. This is really talking about almost a title. For we are God's real people here. And three things that distinguish. Number one, the real circumcision are people who worship by the Spirit. We worship God because of the Spirit. We can't do anything to earn God's favor. Utterly impossible on our own. Only by the work of the Spirit of God and the Word of God can one understand the Son of God and what He's done to be able to have relationship with God our Father. And this is a work of the Spirit. And then it says we are ones who glory in Christ Jesus. Glory is getting credit for all. It's boasting with exultant joy about what is most proud, what one is most proud of. Listen, we are saved by Jesus Christ to worship Jesus Christ. We should be the people who are using the name of Jesus Christ for his glory. And then last, is putting no confidence in the flesh. I think this is a transition, clearly a transition in what he's about to talk to. It's upon no human ability, only apart from the work of God in the lives of the person, can a person be able to have a living relationship with God and Jesus Christ, only by his works. Listen, if I just want to say, if you are one who you think that somehow you're religious enough, listen up to what Paul is about to say, because I'm telling you, whoever it is in this room, he was way better. And this is what I love about this passage. Paul is now about to tell his testimony. And let's grasp this. Doug, what does this have to do about money? Hang on here. We're going to find out. Look at verse 4. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has reason for put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And here he lists it. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as the zeal of persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Now, much of that to us, that's like, okay, I guess you're really cool. Um, but like, what does that mean? Let's, let's break this out because it's really important. Paul gives seven I knew abouts. Seven I knew abouts. One of the knew abouts was he knew about rituals. Now, it says he was circumcised on the eighth day. The Greek could literally be translated as he was an eighth dayer. I love that. He was an eighth dayer. In other words, it was as the, one of the most essential rites of Judaism. Paul it wasn't an act of his own, but he fit that category. He starts out of the gate, placing where he's at. If you want to play the religious game, Paul wants to play it too. And Paul starts out by saying, listen, I started out right from the get-go, right on track. Eighth day, boom, that happened. Then he goes to the next thing. Paul knew race. He looks here and he says not only circumcised on the eighth day, but he's of the people of Israel. In that day, some of the Judaizers were half-breeds. They were Gentiles who were converted to Judaism. And Paul lays it out here and he says, no, no, no. I just want for you to know I'm a purebred. Paul was literally a physical descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not, not, down the channel kind of you know skim milk i mean he was the whole milk deal he was a purebred a third he talks about how he was not only people of israel but of the tribe of benjamin paul knew elitism benjamin was the last of jacob's sons and only one born in the promised land and when the promised land was divided guess where jerusalem was placed in under the tribe of benjamin the holy city in the tribe of Benjamin. And, and th then with Solomon's death, when there were only two tribes left, Benjamin and Judah remained. 
And Paul's family had remained pure Benjamites. Not intermarried. Pure. He was a social status A-lister. This boy was an A-lister. And so he starts out, he was an eighth-day or purebred A-lister when it comes down to religion and understanding what his view of life was about. Then fourth, we see he knew heritage. Tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul remained firmly committed to the language, to the orthodoxy, to the traditions, to the customs. He was not a watered-down kind of Hebrew. He wasn't like a Christian here and then something else somewhere else. He was a Hebrew here, there, 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 everywhere. Paul was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was orthodoxy. Paul was the man. And then fifth, he knew position. It says he was a Pharisee. (laughs) As to the law, a Pharisee. Hey, he had attained the highest level, the cherished status of supreme devotion to the law and all the rabbinical rules. And Paul was a platinum card holder. Paul was a platinum member of the group. And here's this guy. Eighth day or purebred, A-lister, orthodox, platinum card holder. And then he doesn't stop there. Then he goes on to the next one. Paul knew commitment as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. The Jews in the day, many of them were trying to proselytize. They were trying to convert these Christ followers to Judaism. Listen, Paul was way better than that. He wasn't trying to convert these folks. He was trying to get rid of them. I mean, he was persecuting him. He was killing them. That boy's committed to the cause. You may think that's not very uh, nice, but listen, he was committed. Totally committed. This guy was sold out for Yahweh in his mind. And then the last one, as to righteousness. Wow, what a statement. As to righteousness, as far as fitting under the law, I'm blameless. Dude, you got an arrogant ego problem, don't you? Now, I would say no. I don't think that's what's going on. I think Paul is truly looking and he's saying, you know what? I'm just looking back at my life. And when it came to the law and the rabbinical practices of the day, I met him. Totally met him. Just being straight with you. I totally met him. I fulfilled them. Listen, I was blameless. I was the poster boy. I was the poster boy of what this was all about. And so look at this list. Here's Paul, an eighth-dayer, purebred, A-lister, orthodox, platinum member, sold-out poster boy. Dude, you are one rockin' religious guy. And that's what he was all about. That was his entire paradigm in life. Why was he doing that? Because he was doing that because that's what he understood life was supposed to be about. That was the paradigm. Listen, he was not an idiot. He's not one of these guys who's like, I'm so dumb, I'm so dense, that I'm just going to like go along with all this. That wasn't it at all. Listen, this boy, he had his mindset on the whole objective of what this was about. And he was an eighth-dayer, purebred, A-lister, orthodox, platinum member, sold-out poster boy of it. What an incredible asset list. What an asset list. 
Paul looks back and he adds up his life paradigm balance sheet and he does this audit on himself. And here's the report. He pulls out his calculator. A Thayer, purebred, A Lister, Orthodox, Platinum, sold out, poster boy, gain. All this is gain. All this is gain. Listen, before God, I'm doing just what God wants me to do. And then verse 7, a new audit comes to the table. Paul looks at verse 7, but. Now, whenever you see the word but, no giggling, whenever you see the word but here, something's transitioning. A new thought. It's like, hold the press. Don't copy the audit list off yet because there might be something going on, but. But whatever was, whatever gain I had, notice now who has the gain? Paul has the gain. It's a profit. It's an asset list for his benefit. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And listen, the, I counted his loss statement. It, it, it's called a, it's a perfect verb. In other words, it means that there was an act that took place in the life in Paul at a point in time where this was his list of stuff, and then something took place, and at a point in time, a certain event happened that then has ongoing results in the life of the person. So it's not like some random time. There's some time where something came about, and we would call it, if you know the scriptures, we would call this the Damascus Road experience. Paul is literally on, a, on this road going to persecute some more Christians. And on the way, all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. <laughs> and everything's different. And at that point in time, things change. And Paul, as he reflects back, he's talking, but whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. See, this was all about him when it came right down to it from a new perspective. It wasn't about Christ. It was all about him. And all these things were added up to be about him. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 8. Indeed. In fact, in there, he, 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 he kind of, re, if you will, he, he repunched the numbers from a new calculator and it turns up as loss. Okay? But whatever gain I had, I now count as loss for the sake of Christ, verse 8. Indeed, I count, by the way, this is a present active verb. In other words, he's saying, there was a time when I counted my, I did an audit. God helped me do an audit. The Trinity Audit Company came into the picture and redid an audit on my life. And I looked and I was like, that's all about me. Then he's now saying, I count in that I am presently continuously counting and it's, indeed, I am counting everything as loss. Listen, all of this stuff here that was a gain became a loss. It was bad accounting practices that was happening prior. And a new accountant came into the picture and reorganized the structure. And Paul said, that's what I was about, but now I'm counting those things as loss. Now understand this, not loss from the, from the standpoint of completely utterly worthless as far as what God can do with it, we know God ended up actually using Paul's background. And even God is so big that God uses our sin to bring glory to him. How incredible is that? 
And Jesus Christ comes in and grabs this religious dude, totally religious guy, and he changes his whole paradigm of what life is about. And he does use this, but when it's compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, this is baloney. Who gives a rip ding? That's Greek. And Paul says, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Do you see the paradigm shift? Life was all about him. Now it's come about this, I want to know Christ. Now the word knowing that's used here, it's not just an intellectual knowledge. It's not just I know the facts. Jesus was born in Nazareth. He died on a cross, this and that, this and that. And that's I know, I know Jesus. No, 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 no. That's not what this word is talking about. This word is talking about someone who has a relationship. This is, this is a living knowing reality. This isn't just intellectual knowledge. Yes, intellectual knowledge, but lived out and experienced in real life. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth. By the way, that word, it's a very heavy word. It's it's, it's just not like really cool. It's like, it's just incredibly valuable. You have no idea how valuable this is. The incredible worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. By the way, it's interesting. He uses the word Christ Jesus my Lord. By knowing in a living, real relationship kind of way, knowing Christ the Savior, the Messiah. Knowing Christ the Messiah, knowing Jesus the Savior, and knowing my Lord the King. Cool statement. Just a really special statement. He's just piling it on here. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and am presently and continuously counting them as rubbish. <laughs> you got to understand here, the words he's using are heavy. This word for rubbish is not like, oh, you know, silly, not nice stuff. The word he's using here for rubbish is talking about dung, manure. There's other words that could be used, but we don't use those. It's that intense. I'm serious about that. It's not a lighthearted, ooh, it's not very good. This is like intense stuff that he's talking about here. It's worthless, it's rubbish, it's trash. Now, here's the thing. It's a comparative. I count them as rubbish in order that, for the purpose that, I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. That's what he was. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings and becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul came to know something completely different, and it was knowing Jesus. And the poster boy, The eighth-day, purebred, A-lister, orthodox, platinum member, sold-out, poster boy, became this. What are you about now, Paul? I want to know Jesus. I just want to know Jesus. That's it. I just want to know Jesus. What's the believer in Christ to be about? I just want to know Jesus. I just want to know Jesus. Talked about it the other week. No, grow, and show. But we could even just bring it all the way back. Just know Jesus. Do you know Jesus? I mean, not just intellectual, but do you know Jesus? To the point to where everything's different. 
Everything changes because a whole new paradigm comes about like Paul is talking here. I mean, this is a massive paradigm shift from look at me to look at him. From a life all about self and about my accomplishments and about my self-righteousness in life in the passionate pursuit of a living relationship with Jesus Christ. I could stand here and tell you about all the things I've done in life. And just straight up with you, I could probably beat most of you on the comparative scale. I'm not being braggy. I'm just being because of some. I don't know why, but for some of the things that happened in my past business life, I can pretty much come and top most people. So stinking what? Big hairy deal. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for the experiences, for the travels, for the inventions, for all the big things you can say. But in the end of it, so stinking what? When my dad died, he didn't take anything with him. And I'm not either. And Paul is just laying it out here. And what does this have to do with money, Doug? Everything. Here's the simple reality. If our life is to be about knowing Christ, how does your money fit into that? That, that, that's, That's it. That's it, Doug? Yeah, that's really it. This whole series has been about knowing Christ, bringing this into the realities of our lives. And that includes your dating, your relationships, your marriage, your parenting. That includes your communication and how you resolve problems. It includes how you handle your sexual intimacy and being pure or being, you know, all the things that we've talked about so far, making decisions and your money. And I could give a whole bunch of proper steps to be able to take in handling money and can give great verses by it. And I'm all for that. I'm not against that whatsoever. But here's the thing I want to get across today. How does knowing Christ show up in your finances? And if it doesn't, why not? I mean, really, why not? It should. Because if we're looking holistically, all of life is about living for Christ. All of life is about knowing Jesus Christ. It's not just about Sundays, or it's not just in our devotion time. It's just not in a small group. It's all the time. It's at home. It's with your spouse. It's in bed. It's at work. It's everywhere. It's all about Jesus Christ, and it's about in your wallet. And so I really just simply this today. I want us to be thinking when it comes down to the issue of finances, is Jesus in your finances? And it's like, well, Doug, what are you talking about? It's simply this. How are your finances being viewed and used for what you're to be about? Is your home used for knowing Jesus? Is your job used for knowing Jesus? Is your car used for ministry? Listen, I just got to tell you, I think that's a whole new way to think. And I think we and I fail at this. And Paul gives out his list of, you know what, I was all about this, and then it became, the gain became about Jesus Christ. The paradigm shift. How does knowing Christ show up in my finances? What I buy why I buy, when I buy, what I give, how I use my home, what takes place in my home, 
how I view the use of my credit card, how I view the use of debt, how I view my savings, how I view the stuff. Is it about knowing Jesus? That is a different paradigm. And I just want to ask us as we finish up this series that we become holistic thinking people. Not category thinking people, but holistic thinking people. And I would love nothing more as we finish this series. If this week, if you would dedicate an hour this week and pick an hour this week where you get alone with God and audit yourself. Because here's the deal. If you want, ask the question, if you want to know what your paradigm in life is about, look at what you do. Because if you remember back, Paul was saying, I am about this and I can prove it by what has happened and I, what I do with my life. And for you and I, I think we need to sit back and just go, where am I at, God? How am I doing? Is the paradigm discussion that I'm all about you real or is it just concept? Paul's not talking about concept. He's talking about paradigm shift. An entire change in how I view life. Ask, what's my life paradigm? What am I really all about? Who am I really all about? Do my thoughts and my actions in the areas that we've talked about, do they validate that or am I fooling myself? How is knowing Christ being lived out in my life? How is knowing Christ being lived out in my wallet? That's all. <laughs> That's all today. Let's think holistically. Let's be a church that is not about this kind of garbage. In fact, about this kind of rubbish. Let's be a church that is about that. That's what we want to be about. What do we want to be about? We want to be about knowing Jesus. Let's know Jesus together. I need you. You need me. We need each other. God designed us to live together. Let's do that together. Let's be knowers of Jesus Christ, right? And let's pursue after it with passion and intensity and sincerity for his glory. Let me pray. Father, um, this is, was a bizarre sermon on finances. <laughs> And uh, But it all comes down to about you, not about our stuff. God, we could get all our stuff rearranged in some really good order. And we could get our stuff arranged in biblical order and yet not be living to please you. So Lord, I pray we'd be the kind of people that just meditate on the truths of Paul's reality. But whatever was to my gain, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. I want to know Christ. 
and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead, Lord, it's not based on what we earn, but it brings us so humbly before you the reality that we can attain to the resurrection from the dead and live with you in eternity. It's a you deal. God, I would just ask, I would plead that all of us would be serious about evaluating how we're doing that in the things of our life, in the areas of our life. Oh Lord, I pray there would be men in here who are married, who would be husbands, who are loving their wives in a knowing Christ way. Pray there would be wives who would be loving their husbands in a knowing Christ way singles and teens that would be living their life and their relationships in a knowing Christ way. I pray that there would be parents who live their parenting in a knowing Christ kind of way. I pray for us in our speech and our communication that we communicate in a knowing Christ kind of a way. I pray as we make decisions in life that we would be making decisions in a knowing Christ kind of a way. Pray as we move ahead and we live life in the reality that you have created sexual intimacy. I pray that we would live in our purity and in our sexual activity in a knowing Christ kind of a way. Lord, when it comes to our money, may our money be lived in a knowing Christ kind of way. May it all point to you. Help us, help us to understand what that means, what it looks like, and we would have the perseverance and the diligence to live it out. Oh God, it's all about you. We want to know you. Help us, and may we pursue you with fire, with passion, with dedication, and with humility. Thank you so much for this church. Thank you so much for these people. May we know you better this week. In Christ's name, amen.